If you have your Bibles, open up to the book of James. You can do this throughout the entire month of December. Just turn to James. We're, we're in James till the end of the year. And hopefully that you heard clearly uh, the 24th. So we're doing Christmas Catalyte Friday the 22nd. And that is going to be our in-person gathering for the weekend. And then Sunday morning, the 24th, we're going to do online only. Uh, let you have Christmas Eve at home. Um, join us. I'm, I'm still going to speak on James online. Uh, but the, 20, the 22nd, I'm telling you, if you haven't invited anybody yet, we've got invites that you can find. I think they might be on the back tables as well as on the Connect Center. The little tiny invites. Invite people out on the 22nd. They're going to hear about the gospel. It's going to be amazing music. In fact, I think I said this a few weeks ago, we've got a live jazz band that's going to be playing 20 minutes prior. Uh, that's just going to fill this place with just a great Christmas atmosphere and then the rest of the service. I can't wait. There's just something about lighting the candles and just having wall-to-wall -wall lit candles, not in children's hands, in adult hands, and teenage hands that would just, it's just something about the atmosphere. It is so exciting. Would you stand with me for the reading of the Word? Heard Pastor Kevin crushed it last week. James chapter 3, verse 1. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. That's an encouraging thing for me this morning. For we will all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man and is also able to bridle his whole body. If we put bits in the mouth of horses so that they will obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also, though they are so large and driven by the strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet boasts many great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird of, the rep of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless the Lord our Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. Let's reword that. With it, we sing on Sunday mornings, and then we curse at people in traffic right after service. <laughs> Verse 10. From the same mouth comes blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can salt pond yield fresh water. Lord, open up our hearts today to receive from you. And Lord, also, I pray for a revival amongst the tongues, our mouth, our voices, our words, that, that the fruit of our lips would be that which would magnify, honor you, and point people towards you. We speak thou in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. before you are seated, turn around, just give someone a quick high five and tell them how terrible gingerbread actually tastes. I know how to stir it up before a message. I know how to stir it up. Did you know the tongue itself is made up of eight muscles? Four muscles that are in the back of the tongue that actually attach it to the jaw and to the throat. And then there's four that sit up front that are actually completely 
disconnected from the other four. You got four that are connected to bone, connected to throat to hold it in place. That way it doesn't fall out of your mouth when you talk. The other four up top, uh, I was reading uh, a study that simply says, it is so different from any other set of muscles because the four muscles form some type of matrix that come together that really resemble either an octopus's tentacles or the trunk of an elephant. No other muscle does because those four muscles, they're not connected to any bone or any structure. They're on their own. They're, they've twisted together. And this is why the, the, the tongue itself, the end of the tongue, can do things that no other muscles can do. Like my grandmother, she used to bring this up all the time. David, can you roll your tongue? I'm like, yes, Grandma, I can roll my tongue. Everybody can roll their tongue. She goes, no, they can't. Not ever. Somebody, you're doing it right now. It's weird for me to see from this angle here. But she's like, she wanted to emphasize how unique I was. And she'd say, I've got attached earlobes. What do you have? I'm like, I've got dangling earlobes. And she's like, that's right. That's not for earrings, though. I'm like, yes, Grandma. And so she always wanted to talk about the unique things that make us up. And, but it was always, can you roll your tongue? David, guess what? I'm like, yes, Grandma. I'm unique. I get it. But we're able to do that, or some of us in the room are able to do that because of that matrix of those four muscles. That's why you can do things with your tongue, like some of you can touch the tip of your nose with your tongue. Which some of you are trying that right now. It's still odd for me to say. Uh, I think my son is one of the few that can lick his elbow. We got talent in the Barringer family. There's numbers of things that, that happen with this. It's, it's wild when it comes to this idea of the tongue and, and what type of specific, how specific, there we go, uh, that those things can do that no other muscle can actually contrive itself to do or shape itself to do. Uh, in fact, when you go to the doctor, what is one of the first things the doctor says to you? Stick out your tongue. Now, when we think about sticking out your tongue, immediately we think that they're checking our tonsils or checking our throat, and that could be the case. But I, I don't know if you knew this, but when you look at the tongue, the tongue itself can actually give you a number of leads into a numbers of conditions in your body. The type of color, the texture, the look, the taste buds, any sores, anything like that. That there's so much that the doctor can do just by simply looking at your tongue. It can talk about the impact that, that your, your, your medical, uh, the medical condition of your life is actually having upon your body. Now, when you look at the tongue, the tongue can give you so many details about your life, and that's such a true sense when it comes to Scripture. Proverbs 18, 21, death and life are in the tongue. There is power in the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. And it's also the reason why James brings it up earlier in James chapter 1, verse 26, when he says, If anyone of, uh, one among you thinks he is religious, but does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, his religion is useless. In other words, that you could call yourself a Christian, but if you don't control the words that come out of your mouth, then your Christianity, he says, is useless. That's strong words that are there. And when you look at the scripture, I think you can understand this, that God takes our words seriously. I don't think we do. And I think God takes our words way more seriously than we take our words. Because how many of you know that, especially in the American church, we like to categorize sin, don't we? We have the massive sin, the really bad stuff like, like murder, rape, stealing, those are the bad things, but gossip, eh. 
lying. It's just the IRS, Pastor Dave. I'm like, whoa, 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 no, no, no. It's not just the IRS. They are the mafia. They will get you. Oh, Pastor, it's just, you're calling it slander. I'm just speaking truth. And we categorize and we do that really to justify saying what we want, speaking what we want, anytime that we want. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 16 through 19. There are six things the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to him. Haughty eyes, the lying tongue, the hands that shed innocent blood, the heart that deceives, uh, devises wicked plans, feet that make haste to run to evil, a false witness who breathes out lies, and one who sows discord among brothers. Out of seven things that says that the Lord hates and detests, three out of the seven have to do with our mouths. And ladies and gentlemen, it's time for us as the body of Christ to take seriously how we speak, how we talk, the things that come out of our mouths. And so James teaches us the power of the tongue. In fact, I, the title of the message is simply, Wash Your Mouth Out. Anybody ever have your mouth washed out? Well, we'll talk about that in a little bit. So there's three things that, that James teaches us. And so number one, if you're a note taker, and I hope you are, I want you to write this down. My words will determine the direction of my life. My words will determine the direction of my life. I believe that we're really the sum total of two things. Number one, we are the sum total of our relationships. I heard this from Craig Rochelle years ago. Show me your friends and I will show you your future. Show me, well, Pastor, should we be friends with everybody? I believe we should befriend everybody, but we do have to watch who are the core friends of our lives that speak the most into our life, that affect our life the most. Who are those people? Because those help determine the course of our life. But not just our relationships, but also the words we receive, the words we have said, and the words that we are saying. How many of you know that when people have spoken into your life, that has helped determine some things in moments and sometimes for the future? I think of in fourth grade, I will never forget Miss Judy Feeney. Miss Feeney, um, she was my Sunday school teacher. In fact, she ended up uh, being my Sunday school teacher in second grade and in fourth grade. And I remember her. Why? Because she's the one that led me to Jesus. She's the one that, when we had a missionary from Switzerland come speak into our Sunday school, and I remember afterwards, just I felt like God was just gripping my heart. I remember it specifically, and she pulled me aside. She says, David, you want to make a decision to follow Jesus? I says, yes, but I'm, I'm scared for other people to find out. I was, I was a quiet, introverted little boy. I was the little boy that would hide behind his parents when everyone would greet me. I just didn't want to be seen. I didn't want to be heard. And I remember she just, so she pulled me aside, didn't embarrass me at all, didn't point me out, but right there, she led me to Jesus. Ladies and gentlemen, if you have never, ever volunteered for Next Gen Ministry, you ought to volunteer once a month to serve our kids. Why? Because we need Judy Feeney's to find the Dave Berengers and lead them to Jesus. And I remember her speaking over me, just prophetically. Man, she's going to be with Jesus. I, I, I have so much admiration for her, because she used to say, you're going to be something for Jesus someday. God's going to use you mightily someday. God's going to do amazing things through your life. And I'm like, oh, no, he ain't. I'm not going to stand in front of people. I'm not going to I don't talk to anybody now. But I remember her speaking prophetically. But then I remember seventh grade when I gave my homework to a friend, because he didn't do his homework. And like, I'm like, so I gave him my homework. I'm like, just, you know, hand it to me right before class. And I walk in, and Mrs. Moselle found out about that. So when class started, she got up and she said, David Berenger is a cheater. 
And I bet you he's, his father's probably a cheater, which means he's always going to be a cheater. I thought you would praise me for actually doing my homework for the first time. But I remember seventh grade having that spoken over my life and all of a sudden just kind of wearing that and thinking like, is this what everybody thinks about me now? Because this is what the authority speaks about me. Then I remember, I remember 11th grade losing a, a terrible, terrible, uh, what do you call it, game in football. And we had a team only, players only meeting, no coaches. And I remember our team captain, his name was Ben Cheek. And Ben, at one point, he says, if you guys would practice at any level half of what Behringer practices, we would be undefeated in state champions right now. And I remember, like, I felt noticed. I felt like something lifted me up, and I held my head higher in practice. I hit a little bit harder in practice. There's something about those words. Then I remember in Bible college, my friend Randy walks up. He goes, hey, hey, Bear, come on over here. I said, what's up? He goes, you should marry Gail. I'm like, why? He says, because I've heard you preach, and no one's going to hire you for that. You ought to marry Gail. She is so talented. People will hire you just for her. I'm like, but I don't want to marry Gail. <laughs> Isn't it amazing how words shape our lives? And words many times can shape directions. And many times we've allowed those words to stick with us. Not the prophetic words that the Judy Feeney spoke over us, but the other words that somebody spoke over our lives. Or the words that social media has spoken over us. Or the words that a newscast uh, has spoken. We have, we have bought into the words around us, and we have to be careful because those words can direct our life. This is why James talks about a bit that controls a horse. A small bit in fact, the average horse carries what they call 33,000 pounds of force power with them. And it's not just in how fast that they go and how much they can carry or how much they can drag. There, there's, there's a calculation that simply, we call it horsepower for, for them, that their horsepower, their literal power is they can do minimally 33,000 pounds of workforce for every thing, single thing that they do. And yet they can be controlled by something so small. Think of the size of a boat and in comparison to the size of a rudder because you can have a large boat but can have the small rudder in comparison but that little thing can direct the entire vessel itself. This is what James is saying about our mouths that if we're not careful, your words, if you use them and, and don't be careful about them, they will direct your life. If you talk to Moses and have a conversation with Moses. Moses, who led the children of Israel out of bondage through the power of God, led them toward the promised land, led them toward a place where that would become their land. I'm here to say this. Israel did not become a nation and claim a land in 1948. In 1400 B.C. is when they headed out and they got themselves planted into an area. But as they're going to that area for that to become Israel, they ended up not being able to go to that land. What eliminated them from going and possessing a land? It was their mouths. Their complaining. Their bitterness. The slander of their mouth eliminated an entire generation and they wandered for 40 years until that generation had gone and a new generation arose and Joshua succeeded Moses and he's going to send them into the promised land, send them into this Canaan area and he says, you know what, this is what we're going to do. We're going to send 12 spies. And we're going to go into the land and we're going to check it out. Come back and give us a report. And it says in Joshua chapter 1 that they went and they gave a report. And the report of two people was this. 
This land is fruitful. This land is great. This is what God's promised us, and we can do this. And 10 of those spies, representing 10 tribes, they began to talk amongst themselves and spread a word that if we go into this land, that we're going to be devoured. Verse 31 of, chapter, uh, of, of Joshua chapter 1 simply says, we are not able to do this. We're not able to go into the land. And we find that all of a sudden people start eliminating themselves from God's best, not because of necessarily the circumstances around them. It's how they begin to speak and how they begin to talk and they begin to eliminate themselves from God's best. And I hear people say this all the time. Well, pastor, you just got to know me. I just like to say it how it is. I'm here to say that there may be no more arrogant way to give yourself permission to say whatever you want at the expense of somebody else. It's one thing with speaking truth, and we have to be people who speak truth, but we also have to know how to speak truth, because we shape our words, and then our words shape us. Our words determine the direction of our life. Number two, our words can destroy what we have. Our words can destroy what we have. I have my friend Kevin. Kevin Capizzi, I love Kevin. I remember talking with Kevin, and, and, and when he was a kid, he liked to play with mercury. Do you know what mercury is? Think of a thermometer and the silver stuff that used to be in a thermometer that helps the thermometer rise and fall. Those silver things. He broke open a bunch of them and he used to have silver and, or the mercury in his hand and just play around with it. If you've ever seen Terminator 2, uh, that beautiful Christian movie, um, and you see like silver, like metal going back and forth. They actually use mercury and like hair dryers to move metal around to give it the little sensation that we watch on TV. But he used to put it in his hand. I remember having a conversation. I'm like, wait, what? You played with mercury? Who allowed that? He goes, well, mom and dad didn't know about it. It's just what, what I played with. But I said, Kevin, do you realize if you had a cut on your hand at that moment? That a little bit of mercury... And a small cut, you wouldn't even be here. That's how toxic mercury is. We talk about mercury, but this is how we have to actually talk about our mouths. It's because our words, if we toss them out, we don't realize sometimes how toxic they are. James chapter 3, verse 5 through 6 say this. The tongue is a small member. It boasts many things. How great a fire is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set amongst our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell itself. It gives this illustration that an uncontrolled tongue can literally annihilate, can devastate areas. In fact, 2018, it's documented there was a fire in California. 2018, 400,000 acres were destroyed, and they traced it back to where it began. Do you want to know how that fire began? Was a man hammering, using a metal hammer on a metal tent stake, and one spark fell on the, 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 the water-deprived gr uh, grass area and literally started a fire that consumed 400,000 acres. What's the takeaway? It's realizing the power of the area between our nose and our chin. And it's realizing what we have to do in terms of our responsibility. But pastor, I've got free speech. And I'm like, you know what? You're right. And, I, and I'm just telling you, I thank God for free speech. I love having free speech. But freedom of speech also needs the freedom to have wisdom to use that speech. 
that just because you have the right to post whatever you want does not mean you should post whatever you want. Just because you can comment on whatever you want to comment on doesn't mean you have to comment or something has to be said. I'm here to say this. You need to exercise wisdom and prayer and know that you might have the freedom. You might have the right to do it, but your right to do it doesn't make it right at all. What you've got to do is you've got to exercise wisdom and begin to say, does this reflect Jesus and will people see the kingdom of God? Because if you don't use your mouth right, I'll tell you what my grandma used to do. Dr. Squatch, it's great for, what do you call it? Uh, your stockings, a good little stocking stuffer for the dudes. So, grandma would get the bar of soap out. Now, my parents went a next step. I love you, Mom and Dad, if you're watching. They used palm olive. But if you lied around Grandma, you had to go, she went like all Christmas story and Ralphie on you here. So if you lied, if something came out of your mouth that was untrue, you had to. That wasn't a good idea. <laughs> Can you give me a second? Oh, suds. Y'all will never forget James chapter 3. But when we talk about our tongue, we talk about our words. And we talk about Dr. Squatch soap. <laughs> oh, I'm here to say this. That rights and responsibilities have to go together. In fact, I'm going to give you two words when it comes to your words. Two words. Duration and direction. Duration and direction. James says you must be slow to speak and quick to hear. Proverbs 10, 19. In the multitude of words, sin is not lacking, but he who restrains his lips is wise. We have to understand that you've got a responsibility with your words to wash your mouth out. How do you wash your mouth out? Is recognizing the duration. When to say it, how much to say, and when to be quiet and simply be a listener. We would do much better in this world if we were more listeners than we were talkers. We have to know duration, and not just duration, but we have to know direction. Because if you're offended, Jesus gave us direction. Matthew chapter 18, it says that if you are offended, go to your best friend and talk to them about it. Okay, I got five people who actually know the scripture in this place. If somebody in the church offends you, go and tell the pastor. No! If the pastor makes you mad, go and tell the board members. No! I had to, we had to have conversations with the board years ago that simply said, you're not Congress. You don't represent the offenses of the people. Send them to me. Well, Pastor, maybe you're not approachable. I think I'm pretty approachable, but, that, but Matthew 18 says we go. What about, here's, here's another tip. Here's a rule at work. If you have a negative issue, negative goes up. Take it to your first report. Take it to your boss. If you've got praise, keep it down low. Negative, we send up. Praise goes down low. 
That way, when we're, that way when we're dealing with our coworkers, we're not talking about our bosses and spreading negativity. And then after that, we invite them to the Christmas candlelight dinner, our candlelight service. We're here to represent Jesus everywhere we go and not just on Sunday morning. We represent Jesus at the mall, at the marketplace. We represent Jesus in, in Meyer and at home. We represent Jesus to our families, to our friends, and to our neighbors, to our coworkers, everywhere we go. And it's hard to represent Jesus when we won't allow him to touch our mouth and to limit the duration and the direction of our mouths. Because it can destroy what we have. Number three, man, that soap tastes terrible. <laughs> my words reveal my heart. The words reveal my heart. James chapter 3, verse 9. With it, we bless the Lord, our Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the safe mouth comes blessing and cursing, my brothers. These things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, and a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. We have a war that goes on internally when it comes to what comes out of our mouths. And the scripture utilizes the word springs, both in the Hebrew and the Greek language. When you look at the word spring, spring always in the scriptures represents something deep down. It's our hearts. And if we have nasty language, critical language, condemning language, putting people down type of language, cutting people down language, then I'm here to say that we don't have a mouth issue, we have a heart issue. Mom and dads, let me give you a rule in your family, because some of you are wondering why things come out of your kid's mouth. What you say in moderation, your kids will do in excess. And we have to watch what comes out. And, that, and James says, this ought not to be so. And well, we just have to learn how to tame our mouths. I'm here to say this. You don't need to tame your mouth. You need to move of God upon your mouths. We need to move of God upon our lives. We need a revival of our words. When I see what's coming up in 2024, we have an election cycle. And I'm here to say this. The church did not do well in 2020. If not, then congratulations. You were not on social media whatsoever in 2020. But honestly, my wife and I, our hearts were broken by friends, companions, individuals we knew, and watching things being spouted off. And I'm thinking to myself, the world is watching how we react, we react, and we respond. I'm fine with speaking truth, but we've got to also pray through the truth that we're supposed to speak and how we are to speak it and the avenues to speak it. That's why I won't argue with people on social media. I will message them. If you disagree with me, let's meet and let's have coffee. Why? Because you need to see my countenance. You need to hear the tone of my voice. You need to see everything that's coming out of me and not just the words on a screen. We've got a lot of cowardice happening behind keyboards and we've got to be a people that will approach people one-on-one. -on -one. Why? Because Jesus needs to be lifted up, not just in what we can type, but what comes out of our mouths. So the question is, is where do we go from here? Where do we need to go? Number one, we need to ask God to change our hearts. I'm not here to give you an argument by, for, for having good speech. Am I getting you to stop cussing? Well, that would be nice too. But we actually have to have God revolutionize our hearts and our speech 
And I'm not here to give you an argument for it. What I'm here to do is I want to invite you into an experience with Jesus. Because what's going to transform people, it's not arguments. It's going to be an experience with Jesus. You want to hate people to experience peace? Then lead them into peace. You want them to see joy? Help them to experience joy. You want people to see hope? Lead them into hope. Because in this world, the world around us is beat up by the news they hear and the social media they consume. And what they need is not more knowledge about Jesus, but they need to be transformed by the power of of Jesus, and that will happen when the church we stop complaining and we start lifting up the name of Jesus and speaking hope into people's lives. Well, Pastor, we just got to get them into church. I would love for them to come to church, but the answer is not getting more church into them, it's helping them to walk in the power of Jesus Christ. Number two, where do we go from here? Put a filter on what you allow in your heart, put a filter about what you allow in your heart. It's so frustrating, isn't it? You want to do the right thing. But the problem is, is if you want to do the right things and you want to live for the kingdom, but all you entertain in life is negative people, negative movies, negative music, negative YouTube, <laughs> negative situations. If all you do is pollute your soul, stop asking yourself the question, why is this coming out of my mouth? We have to stop asking that question. I love what Dr. Carolyn Leaf says. She says, the thoughts that you think become the words you speak and you create the visible from the invisible. What are we doing when we speak? We are only pulling out of what we have been filling our lives with. Jesus says it this way. Matthew chapter 12. He's talking to the Pharisees. You put the snakes. How is it evil men like you speak what is good and right? For whatever in your heart determines what you say. A good person produces good things from a treasury of a good heart. An evil per person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. In other words, you're going to fill your life up with God. You're going to see God come out of your mouth. You're going to fill your, mouth, your heart up with crap. Guess what's going to come out of your mouth? Proverbs chapter 4. Guard your heart above all, for it determines the course of your life. What you fill your heart with will come out of your mouth. Lastly, Pastor Olivia, if you can join me. Decide to speak words of life. Decide to speak words of life. You can shift the atmospheres in your spheres of influence by the words you speak. Our mouths are not thermometers, they're thermostats. And you can transform cubicles, classrooms, locker rooms, bedrooms, homes, by the words you use. You could be a Judy Feeney for somebody at work that all they hear, all they hear that it's over for their marriage. Everyone just says, just, just move on, just move on. And they've never had anybody ever give them hope that there is hope in Jesus that God could actually restore lives and restore hearts and restore marriages back together. Words can transform and choose to speak life. What type of words? Let me give you some words this morning. Speak words of affection. Speak words of affection. Something I've tried to do over the past few years is speak words, and here's my affection words, is love you. Or if I'm texting somebody, love ya. Someone sends, sends me a message, I love just, I love calling people friend. Hey, thanks so much for that friend, love ya. And all of a sudden I'll get back, oh thank you pastor, love you too. And it's almost like you could feel something shift 
because it's words of affection. When was the last time you heard the words, love you? It may not have come from a spouse. It maybe has never come from a friend. But I'm here to say, don't wait for it to happen to you. Insert it in your language. To look at somebody and simply give them words of affection. When was the last time you said it to your spouse? When was the last time your neighbor heard that from you? A friend heard it from you? Your kids heard it from you? Well, pastor, I think he or she knows how I feel. Don't go on assumption. Speak words of affection. When you see people around you, man, tell them, you're so glad to see them. I am blessed by just seeing your face today. One of my go-to things, it's not a line. Pastor, how are you doing? better now that I've seen you. It's more than just a line. I want people to know my life is better because you're here and I truly mean it. God, give us a body of Christ that will talk with words of affection. In fact, if you look at Scripture, we only have twice in Scripture where we see the interaction between the Father and the Son. God the Father, God the Son. Two times. And when you read about those, one of them, Matthew chapter uh, 3, verse 16 through 17, one of them, if, if you look at them both, you're going to see that when the Father spoke to the Son, they were words of affection. You're my Son, I love you, and I am proud of you. Man, what would happen? What would revive this community if that's immediately what we chose to do as people of God? What about words of praise? Words of praise. I'm not talking about flattery. You know what flattery is? Flattery is a manipulation. It's get you to do something because I said something nice to you. But I'm talking about words of praise. When was the last time you looked at somebody and said, I'm really proud of you. You did a great job. Some of you that are ornery and don't like the electric guitar need to find Adam after the service and say, bro, you killed it today. To walk up to somebody and to listen for the voice of the Holy Spirit. Because I'm telling you what, I am a very, very spoiled son. I am so spoiled. Why? I'm 48 years old and not one time do I hang up with my parents for which my mother does not say. First of all, she says, I love you. And I hear it all the time. I am so proud of you. I'm a very spoiled person. But I, I, I bet you if we just ask and pull this entire audience, it would be a very small group of people in this room that would think to themselves, boy, somebody says that to me all the time, that they're proud of me. But man, what if the body of Christ, if we caught people doing things right? And we looked into people and simply said, I'm proud of you. You did a great job. The scripture says, Proverbs 25, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and a setting of silver. In other words, golden words like that are beautiful and they are valuable. And they'll transform somebody. Words of encouragement. Ephesians 4.29, let no corrupting come out of your mouth, but only such that it's good for building up as fits the occasion, that we may give grace to those who hear. In other words, man, with our words, we can tear people down or we can build somebody up. Looking to build somebody up. What about words of, uh, words of, of healing? Words of healing. I've had to do some tough funerals over the years. Had my, one of my toughest ones just a few months ago. I had to bury a seventh grader. I tell you what, in those moments, people don't need your answers. They need words of healing. They don't need explanation. They just need healing. I'm here. I'm praying. What can I do? They don't need, everything's just going to be all right. We don't, they don't need fluffy stuff like that. They need God with skin in the moment. I am here, and I won't leave you alone in your hurt. 
What about words of faith? Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. What about words of faith? Scripture says this, that in the book of Romans, Paul says, I've made, talking about God talking to uh, Abraham, I've made you the father of many nations in the presence of the God whom you believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. We need a church that is willing to speak faith. What does faith do? Faith sees what could be. And I think so often we're, we're trying to slap shot people with the reality of what it is. But at what if we, we begin to be Judy Feeney's and said, here's what I see in your life. This is what could happen. This is the potential of what could happen with God's help, with the Spirit's help. Man, this is what God could do. This is what God could accomplish. Pastor, man, have you watched the news? I've, I've watched the news, but I've also watched Jesus, and I know that He can revive that which was dead and bring something to life. I know that God can transform when we couldn't think anything could be transformed. That God could heal when the doctor said it could not be healed. I'm here to say we need people that are willing to speak words of faith. They will have that that unction of three Hebrew boys that says, listen, God could save, but even if He doesn't, He still can ultimately save it all. And I close with this. If you want to change your world, you have to change your words. Because what you say can build the life that you love or it can build a life you loathe. And it's all in how you speak. And it's time we ask the Spirit of God to to wash out our mouths. So I'm going to pass this around. And I'm kidding. I'm not going to pass this around. <laughs> but I think some of us today need to look deep down and begin to pray the prayer of Psalm chapter 139. Search my heart, O God. Because some of y'all are already thinking about your spouse. I know, I know my, my spouse can change. I know the words are going to come out of his mouth during the Lions game this afternoon. I already know. I already know. I already know. But what if we all humbled ourselves in the presence of Jesus and just simply say, Lord, before I expect change in this world, would you change what's in here? Because what changes in here changes what's up here. From the abundance of the, mouth, of the heart, the mouth speaks. Let me pray for you this morning. Spirit of God, I don't point a single finger in this room at any entity, at any person. Lord, I point my own finger at me. And I say, search my heart, oh God. Search my heart, God. Search our hearts, oh God. Would you say that to Jesus today? Search my heart, Jesus. Holy Spirit, search our hearts. Lord, what we want to come out of our mouth would be that which is the spillover of what we are filling ourselves with. And Lord, forgive us for some of the things that we have allowed into our life because what we're seeing is the spillover of what we have simply allowed. Lord, forgive us for blaming our parents for what comes out of our mouth. Forgive us for blaming political parties for what comes out of our mouth. Forgive us for blaming news outlets and, and workplaces and schoolmates and teams and coaches. God, we take responsibility for these mouths. And we say, Holy Spirit, wash these mouths. Cleanse the tongue. And we say, Holy Spirit, do such a deep work in us 
that, Lord, what comes out of our mouth becomes the testimony of the transformative power of the Spirit of God. Our co-workers used to hear one thing. Our teammates used to hear one thing. But because you are, we are experiencing you, I pray that there would be such that transformation that people would have to ask, what's the change? And we get to say, we had an experience with Jesus. So we say to you, the King, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be the honor and glory for everything that we say and everything we do. And we speak that all in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, can we give God a hand clap of praise in the house today?